0: take you uh, uh, to James chapter 5 and the last part of verse 16 is what I want to read and I want to read it from the Amplified Bible. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man. We know that would include the women as well, of course. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power when God uses that phrase "tremendous power," you know that He's not talking about just a little bit. This is really something powerful. This is really something uh, special. Makes tremendous power available. Notice it doesn't say that just this kind of prayer alone fixes everything without cooperation. But this is this is the step to make the power available. It's when we act on the power that's available in the proper way that we receive. You can be in the most powerful church in the world, wherever that is, and still not receive. The great revivals of the past, great healing revivals, for instance, and miracle revivals. And and of course, I'm not saying that they're all gone and there are none of those today. But no matter what era you look at in time where there were great moves of God, you will find, sadly, that there were people who were there. They witnessed things. They witnessed miracles. They they could attest to certain things that are without doubt real. But they themselves didn't receive. And we shouldn't be shocked that that would happen because that's exactly what happened, for instance, when Jesus was teaching one day and the Pharisees and doctors of the law were all sitting by. And the Bible clearly says that the power of God was present to heal them. But you know none of them got healed. The only person that was healed was somebody who was not invited to the meeting. Somebody who couldn't get in the door. But was carried with by four very bold friends on top of the roof. And they tore a hole in the roof and dropped him down in front of Jesus. And he got healed. Even after that man was healed, so miraculously, none of them, those that were there, you know, around Jesus listening to him teach, none of them got healed. So you can be right in the presence of Jesus Christ and not receive. And so it's important for us to learn what makes the difference. What makes the difference between the person who does receive and the person who doesn't? I, I believe for me that's a really important question that I want answered in my life because I want to be in the crowd that does receive. Amen. So we want to pray this kind of praying. Not every prayer is going to be uh, loud. Not every prayer we pray is going to be uh, maybe classified as uh, you know, fervent in the sense of, of as this verse would mean it. But yet every prayer we pray can be sincere and powerful, and there should be a, a bit of this praying as well that goes on. So I want to talk tonight about some things that will keep you from effective prayer. That's how I want to close this out, by just looking at a list of hindrances, going down through these. Don't have much time. The clock's in front of me, so be be, uh, be aware that I, I, I've got that there. But uh, So we can't take a long time with any of these. I just want to get a few of these out to you tonight. Because I believe it will help us. What would keep us from this kind of praying? This prayer that makes tremendous power available. The prayer that works. Prayers that get answered. Well, number one, if you're taking notes or you're making a mental list, number one, and this is not necessarily the order of importance necessarily, but these are just things that I feel like that we should share with you. Number one is a lack of teaching on the subject of prayer and a lack of mentors or people who are prayers. That you can look at as an example. Hosea 4.6 says my people, God says that through the prophet, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. That means that there are things that you don't know that can destroy you. Or because of not knowing it rather, you can be destroyed. It's really important to understand that it's important to know the right stuff. And if it's important to know the right stuff, then that means it's important to listen to people that know the right stuff. You don't want to be the blind leading the blind or be the blind that's being led by the blind and both end up in the ditch. You want to be listening to people who know what they're talking about. That doesn't mean they're perfect. That doesn't mean they know everything. But if I'm going to learn about prayer, I want to learn from people that know how to pray. And, of course, we have a number of biblical examples. And, of course, it goes without saying we want to learn from the Scripture. But I would say that even lack of mentors can be a hindrance to our prayer life. We need people that we know pray effectively. And we need to pick their brains, as it were. We need to sit under their teaching and ministry. We need to rub shoulders with them until that same kind of knowledge and anointing rubs off on us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 And verse number 6, Paul talks about this man named Apollos. He was uh, an eloquent speaker that had come to faith and had uh, been partially uh, indoctrinated toward Christianity but was uh, taken aside by two of Paul's dear friends, Aquila and Priscilla and was discipled more perfectly in the ways of, of salvation, in the ways of Christianity. And he became an eloquent voice for the gospel. And Paul described their ministries as being the fact that Paul, at least to the Corinthians, had planted the seed that is of the gospel, the word of God, and that Apollos had watered the seed. And he was pointing out that it wasn't a matter of who was the greatest because one planted, one watered, that it was God who gave the increase. But you can have good seed planted, and I mean the seed of the word. You can have it planted in your heart. But if there's no watering of the seed, you still won't have a harvest. How is the seed watered? By hearing it again and again and again and again. Apollos didn't preach a new gospel, a different gospel, a strange gospel. Apollos simply built on what Paul had already preached to them. And so it is that when we come to this area of prayer, we need to keep hearing certain truths over and over and over again. If you cannot rattle off a number of the different kinds of prayer from memory, then you haven't heard that part of the message enough. If you don't know where the Scripture is that talks about that when we pray in tongues, we build up ourselves, if you don't know two main passages for that, Then, you know, if you just can't remember that or find that, then you haven't heard enough about that. If you don't know about the Holy Spirit taking hold together with you in prayer, praying in the spirit until that burden is lifted, then you don't know enough about that aspect of it. If you don't know the difference between the prayer of agreement and the prayer of petition, then, and I'm not trying to be unkind about it. I'm just saying we need to know this stuff. And the only way we know this stuff is by hearing it over and over and over again. How do you know your address? How do you know your social security number? Do you know your social security number? (laughs) You know, how do, how do we know this? Because we have said it over and over again. We've heard it over and over again. It's a part of our life. It becomes, in, in, it becomes a part of the, uh, you know, not to do a plug for, for the cotton, but it becomes the fabric of your life. You know, it just becomes interwoven in you. You know, if you look at the threads of our garments tonight, if you look at them really closely, you would be able to see uh, that they're actually little threads woven In and out, in and out, over and under each other. And it looks just solid from a distance, but it's all those little threads put together. Well, all these things concerning Bible subjects, when they're put together, they make a solid, well-built piece of of a garment for us to spiritually walk in and, and function in. And so we need to keep on hearing that. So one of the great hindrances to prayer is a lack of teaching on the subject. And listen, don't, don't listen to people that really don't know what they're talking about. i, I got to say a little bit more about that. I didn't finish that. These people telling you that, well, you know, God answers prayer different ways. Sometimes he says yes, and sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait a while. There are whole swaths of Christians that they believe that. There's not one verse in the Bible that says that. Not one. God never says no to His Word. If you want your prayers answered, always pray the Word. Pray based on the Word. Leave no room between what you're praying and what God has said. And the answer will never be no. And this wait-a-while business, the only place you might could wiggle that in is if you're praying about the will of God for something in your life that you desire and that God would desire for you, but maybe the right person has not come along yet or the right door hasn't opened. Well, okay, we'll, we prepare ourselves for when that does happen. But when God has already said it in His Word and He's already declared that that's His will, then I don't have to wait a while. I don't have to wait on my healing. Because according to the word, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. I don't have to wait to prosper because according to the word, it is his will that I would prosper and be in health. If I am fulfilling the qualifications, if I'm a tither, if I'm a giver, if I'm an obedient servant and I'm walking in the will of God, I don't have to wait on these things. They come to me in Jesus' name. And so this is one of the great hindrances to prayer, a lack of teaching, a lack of proper biblical teaching, and a lack of connection with a mentor or mentors, people that can teach us to pray. And by the way, there are people who can mentor you uh, through their recordings, through their books. There are people that are gone to be with the Lord now that were great prayer warriors while they were here on the earth and their life stories have been written. The testimonies they left and the teachings they gave are available in print and sometimes in recordings and so you can just spend your time there. I guarantee you they'll give you a whole lot more good for your life than you'll ever get out of Pat Sajak and Vanna White. Amen. Amen. Number two, second hindrance, is um, many times people are not powerful in prayer because they just simply have not put in the time and the experience that's necessary to be skillful. In Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I know we're in an instant uh, uh, age. I mean, anything just about you, you can think about. You want to, to, to look up, you can find it in a matter of seconds or minutes online. I know Glenn and I, the other night, you know, we just, I just mentioned somebody that used to be a television weather person when we were kids. And uh, we just thought we'd see if there was any information, sure enough. We found out, you know, what a pioneer that they were and how old they were when they died. Even found out the street address where they lived when they were living. It's amazing what you can find. And we like that instantaneous stuff. We like drive-through windows, don't we? And we get a little perturbed, or as one preacher says, perturbed when the line is too long. You know, I, I know I'm guilty. I need to work on this myself. But you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go somewhere and they'll say it's going to be such and such amount of time. And I try to be nice about it. I didn't know, no, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not waiting 45 minutes on a couple of eggs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> or much of anything else, hardly. Uh, but anyhow, we like quickness, we like it right now. When do we want it? Now, what do we want? T-bone steak. When do we want it? Now, you know. Uh, But spiritual things aren't like that. And we really have to be careful because always the spirit that's in the world tries to get into the church. Always. And the church of today is very much a drive-through, fix it now, give me something quick operation. But there are some things, and I just want to say this, maybe... Even if one person really gets this in your heart and remembers this, it'll be worth it. There are things that will never come to you spiritually. There are blessings you'll never receive in this lifetime if you don't learn to wait on God. And I don't mean wait while you're Googling all that stuff. Wait while you're, you know, while you're surfing the internet. You know, it's, it's not a matter of saying, well, Lord, you know where I'm at. I'm here in the chair, and I, I'm looking at my phone, and if you want to tell me something, I'm available. No, you're not available. You're available to whatever you're looking at. I've been guilty. So we have to be very careful. Spiritual things don't change. What, the, what Isaiah meant, you know, it was the Holy Ghost inspiring him. When, the, when he spoke those words, And um, in Isaiah 40, 31, what what they meant all those thousands of years ago is what they still mean today. If you wait on the Lord, that's when the things begin to happen. So sometimes we just don't pray long enough. We don't wait long enough. And when I say pray long enough, I don't mean begging God to do things. But it's just a matter of waiting in His presence. Sometimes we need to pray about what to pray about. Did you get that? Sometimes we need to pray about what to pray about. Because you can try in your own will and in your own head to pray about things that you think just absolutely are so important. It may not be what the Holy Spirit's trying to hook up with right now with you. There might be something else that he sees that's more important. And if you want results, learn to follow the Holy Spirit. Number three, the third hindrance to effective prayer is having no scriptural foundation. And what I mean by that is when you pray, particularly in the area of petitions and even praying for other people with their needs, what verse or what verses are you standing on? Do you take the time to look at the scripture? I don't mean just quote it. That's great if we can quote it. But do you take the time to actually look? Do you take the time to meditate? So that if somebody asks you what verse or verses, preferably it would be verses, plural, are you standing on? What makes you believe that God's going to do this for you? If you can't give me a biblical answer, you don't have a prayer that He can answer. I'll say that again. If you don't have a scriptural answer, you don't have a biblical answer that he can then give to you, so that is a great hindrance to prayer. That people don't have a scriptural foundation. They may they make the mistake of thinking because I'm in pain or I'm in need or I'm hurting or I'm depressed or whatever the problem may be that somehow god's just going to feel sorry for me and he's going to fix it even though i don't have any scriptures and i'm not in the word i don't feel like opening my bible i don't do that much and you know i'm just totally out here in my emotions and 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 god please be merciful and feel sorry for me and help me and uh that doesn't work Because if God moved only on the basis of needs, then there would never be a need, would there? God only moves on the basis of faith. I don't know what makes that do that. I'm sorry. Is it because I'm standing in the wrong place? It's all Jeremy's fault, I'm sure. No, it isn't. It isn't. Um... God had to devise a system, if you will, to deal with man, especially once man had fallen. But this system was in place before the fall of man. It didn't have to be changed. It was so perfect. A system of faith, a system where that when God says it, we believe it, it's settled, we act on it, we do the word, we believe the word, we expect the word, it comes to pass. That's the only basis that God can answer your prayer is a scriptural basis. Number four. Fourth hindrance is a lack of desire to see the thing through. Mark eleven twenty four is one of our favorite scriptures on prayer where Jesus taught us what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. The word desire is very important in that verse because it's the desire that's going to press you into staying with it until it's manifested. A lot of times people get excited about something, they pray about something, and their prayer seems good and it may be perfectly scriptural, but they don't have enough real desire to stay with it in their praise life and in their action life for that thing to come to pass. They hear a message about healing, they get all excited and they've been dealing with something maybe for a long, long time and they're thinking, well, you know, I'm tired of putting up with this. I don't have to. I see the truth here. I'm going to believe God for my healing. Well, if you're not completely symptom-free in a week or two weeks or 30 days, are you going to have the same ardent desire, the same zeal, the same faith manifesting that you had that first day? You see, one of the tricks of the devil is to try to wear you down. Daniel 7.25 in the King James, you don't have to look that up right now, but Daniel 7.25 in the King James uses the term, speaking of one of the strategies of the devil, is to wear out the saints. Now, where I came from growing up, wearing out means you got a whooping. But that's not what that were. It means literally wear you out. In other words, get you so tired that you give up. You see, the devil knows that he cannot win if you don't quit so all the opposition that comes and all the hindrances that come to steal the word from you and take your faith away from you is all about one thing and one thing only and that's about getting you to quit using your faith because that's the one thing he has no defense for he cannot win if you don't quit and my brother and sister you cannot win if you do He can't win if you don't quit. You can't win if you do. And so make sure when you take up something in prayer, and that's why maybe sometimes we shouldn't just jump in so quickly when we're really not ready, but when you take up something in prayer, make sure that as far as you're concerned, I'll believe this until my dying day. I will never let go of this with my faith. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the devil does. I believe what I am praying about based on the word of God, and I will not let go of it. Number five, allowing circumstances to change your expectations. This is a great hindrance that people have in their prayer life. They allow the circumstances to change their expectations. Or in other words, they they get moved off their faith by what they see or what they feel. 2 Corinthians 5.18 is a very, uh, 4.18 rather, I think it is. I think I got the wrong chapter. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, um, while we look not at the things which are seen. Now think about that. Doesn't that sound a little strange? While we look not at the things that are seen. The obvious thing here is that we're seeing something, but we're saying, I'm not looking at that. Well, that's not just denial, but there's a process going on here. We know what we see, but we're looking at something higher. We're looking at something different. We're looking at something more powerful. While we look not at the things which are seen, but, see, we're looking at something, at the things which are not seen. For the things which are not seen are, et- for the things which are seen, rather, are temporal, meaning temporary, subject to change, also meaning they will change. Anything temporary is going to change. So we don't, we don't look at the things that are temporary, the things that are going to change, but at the things which are eternal. Those things don't change. Well, what would we look at that's eternal? It's not the carpet on the floor. It's not uh, the paint on the wall. It's, it's not the car you're driving. We know these natural things are passing away with the use of them. So what could he be referring to? We're looking to the promise of God. We're looking to Scripture. We're looking to what the Word says. And when our eye is there, even though there are things that our natural sight can see that doesn't look right, that those things that don't look right, they don't look like they're uh, aligning with the Word, we know that because we see the Word, those, subject, those things are subject to change. They have to change. In other words, if it's wrong, it's got to get right. If it's not right, it's got to get right. If it doesn't feel right, it's going to have to feel right. If it's not saying what, if the the results of the test don't say what they're supposed to say, that's going to have to change. I'm not looking to that as my source and the final answer. My final answer is what I find in the Word of God. This is His final answer. Every time you go to this book, it says the same thing. There's no new answer. There's no new answer to your healing request. There's no new answer to your financial need request. There's no new answer to the relationship issues that you're having. The answers in the Word are the same answers as they've always been and they will always be. They work yeah. when we work them. Amen. So we don't want to allow circumstances to change our expectations or to be moved by what we see or feel. And then number six, I only have 30 of these. Number six. Unforgiveness. Mark eleven twenty five. 25. I quoted 24 a while ago. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. The next verse, verse 25. Jesus kept on talking. He didn't stop. He said, and when you stand praying, forgive. And when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any. That your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Unforgiveness will stop your prayer life from working. I mean, I don't know any way to say it any plainer. There are no exceptions. There are no allowances for anybody. There are no special deals that's going to ever be cut for anybody. No matter how wrong you think they were or how right you think you are, that's not the issue here. The issue is, do you want your prayers answered? Do you want your needs met? Do you want your relationship to God to progress? Or do you want to stay right here where you are and God basically say to you, like you would say to a three-year-old, it's not going to change, you might as well change. That's not to minimize the fact that people have been terribly hurt, horrendously treated at times. And in the natural, have every right to throw a fit. To use all kinds of words and language against people. In the natural, they might think they have a right to do that. But that is not a spiritual tool that will help you in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Nothing. And so, we have to make sure that we keep our heart right. Galatians 5 and 6. Anybody know what that says? It says, faith works by love. If you're not walking in love, your faith isn't working. It's just that simple. And so, if we're going to have an effective prayer life, our faith has to work, which means we have to stay in the area of love. That's why there are times when you just need to cast down thoughts that come to your mind way before you say them. If you've got to the point of saying them and griping and telling the story and relaying your experience, to garner the favor or the sympathy or the agreement of somebody else that you're wronged and you're hurt and and yes, you have a right to feel that way and yes, you have a right to be angry and yes, you have a right to be hurt. You are already well down the road to your prayers not working. You say, well, you know, you've never been through what I've been through. I I probably have not been through what many of you have been through, but some of you have never been through some of the things I've been through. We've all been hurt. If you've lived long, you've been betrayed. If you've lived long, you've been lied to. If you've lived long, you've been lied on. If you've lived long, you've been cheated. If you've lived long, people made promises they did not keep. And if you've lived long, you've seen things that people could have done and should have done and easily could have done, but they didn't do. You have all kinds of reasons to be angry. But you have to choose love. Man, that's good preaching, Pastor. Keep on preaching that. You have to choose to walk in love. And we have to be careful in church. In the church world, and particularly even in the ministry world. We have to be very careful to keep our heart right. Not everybody is going to agree with us, and not everybody is going to like us, and not everybody is going to see things the way we see it. We have to be very careful um, you know, that we don't get in these little spats with people. I was kind of surprised about this, the, the bit of a, a uproar over whether people had church on Saturday or Sunday this weekend. You have to be careful. Well, if you don't have church on uh, Christmas Day, you're just not interested in souls. And then somebody says, Opinion. You know what that is? That's arguing without being face-to-face. And you know what I've come to the conclusion? That people do a whole lot more arguing when they don't have to see you face. It's easy to hide behind those little keyboards. It's easy to hide behind this stuff. It's like the old anonymous letters. Some of you young people don't know what a letter is, but people used to actually write on paper and put it in an envelope and send it to people, and it was delivered to their house days later, and they would actually read it in cursive. (laughs) I'm just being mean, giving you some reason to practice what you're hearing about tonight. Forgive me. Uh, But anyway, this is really important. This is really important. It's like a bunch of kids on a playground sometimes. Don't get into that. Don't get into that. And I want to give you this, and this is especially for the men. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I didn't say this. Jesus, uh, the Lord said this through the Apostle Peter. But I want, to, I want to give you this, men. And I believe it applies to the women as well, but it actually just says men. <laughs> so, um so uh, you do what it, you do with it, what you th- what you will. But First Peter chapter three and verse seven says, "Likewise, ye husbands, that is a man, by the way, I don't care what they say. <laughs> Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel." And that's obviously talking about physically. It's not talking about weaker mentally. So some dear guys, they'd be in a world of hurt if they didn't have a wife smarter than them. <laughs> Is that right, sister? Amen, amen, that's right. <laughs> and as being heirs together of the grace of life, notice, heirs together of the grace of life, the spiritual things, we are equal. I may be stronger than Glenna physically, but spiritually before God, we are spirit beings. We, I have no special place because I'm a male and she has no lesser place because she's female he says likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life why that your prayers be not hindered here we found out a reason why some men some husbands prayers aren't working right they're not treating their spouse right they're not treating their wife right i'm trying not to look at any men at this point <laughs> I didn't write this. But I can say this. In my 65 years on the planet, I've never seen a hateful, cantankerous guy that didn't treat his wife right who had any kind of strong spiritual life, much less a powerful prayer life. You cannot be the Ebenezer Scrooge of your family, the hateful curmudgeon, that's been that way so long that now you think everybody just should know that's who you are and should put up with it. You can't be that, and you can't do that and have a powerful spiritual life. Amen. And one thing you need to know is the closer you get to the grave, the sweeter you ought to be. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to get things fixed up that need to be fixed up? You want to do right, and when... the when when, uh, when death comes and, and it's time to go, you want to go with victory. Amen. You don't want people to walk up to the casket and say, good riddance. <laughs> you want somebody to shed a tear. Not because they're having to pay a funeral bill, but because they, they're going to miss you. Amen. Amen. Well, I've said enough. You got you got the message. We're getting ready to close. We're running right out of time. Number 9. A lack of praying in tongues is a big hindrance to a successful prayer life. It's one of the reasons the devil fights this so hard. Entire segments of the body of Christ ignore this. Some even say it's of the devil. People have great controversies about it. Some people say, well, it's okay, but not everybody's going to. I, you know, everybody doesn't need to. And usually the people who say that are the people who don't do it. Um, but I'm just going to tell you that speaking in tongues, especially in the area of prayer, is one of the most powerful ways you'll ever pray. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says that when we pray in tongues, we edify or build up ourselves. Jude verse 20 says that we build up ourselves praying in the Holy, build up ourselves upon our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. And so there is a power in praying in the Spirit that releases spiritual information. It releases spiritual power. It it blesses us and changes us in ways that no other kind of praying will ever do. Now, no matter how smart we are, no matter how much we know, we don't know enough to handle our prayer life without the help of the Holy Ghost. No matter how much information we have about a situation or a person, we don't know enough to fully pray the total and complete will of God out in most of all these situations without the help of the Holy Ghost. And that's what tongues is about. That's what praying in the Spirit is about. It's about praying according to the will of God and the Spirit of God leading us to pray His perfect will. And number 10, and we're close. I can't hardly believe we've done this in about 35 minutes. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. Number 10, number 10. A great hindrance to a successful prayer life is not praising enough. In Acts 16 25, when Paul and Silas were in jail down in Philippi, it says they prayed, and this is at midnight, they prayed and sang praises unto God. They weren't delivered just by prayer alone, they were delivered when they prayed and they sang praises. That's so important. It's so important. That we are a praiser. One of the reasons I stay up here with these folks on the platform who do such a marvelous job without me. I don't, I'm not up there because they need me. I'm one of the reasons I'm up there is because I want to always be a praiser. As a pastor, I want to be an example of a praiser. I've been to far too many meetings where the preacher was either standing like a knot on a log or sitting like a bump on a log through the praise service and then got up to preach and wanted everybody to pay attention. We need to set a good example. And I'm telling you in prayer, this is one of the most powerful examples that you can ever set is to, is to, is to be a praiser. Because the power of praise releases the glory of God. Look what happened in Acts 16. God sent an earthquake just to that jailhouse. The whole city of Philippi was not leveled in in an earthquake. Just that one little spot. God was able to shake that building so that every man's bands were loosed. And it also tells me that, that when I'm praising God properly, when I'm praising God powerfully, that not only do I get blessed and not only do I get free, but I'm instrumental in helping get other people free. People around me are blessed. People around me go free. So there's a power in praise and a power in song that can change the very atmosphere that we're living in. All these things put together, and I know it's a long list, and, and you, weren't, you didn't know what the list was before you got here, so I don't expect you to remember every single point or whatever, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to it again or look at your notes if you took notes because these are all powerful things prayer, involving prayer. And uh, it will help to take you from a place of you depending on somebody else to do the serious praying for you, to a place where you're doing serious prayer. One of the things that can happen in a in a in a good church setting, in good Christian homes, and I'm, I guess I'm getting over into next the next series on family, but one of the things that can happen is, especially in Christian homes, is kids can grow up depending on mom and dad to do all they're praying for. That when it's really bad, when it's really tough, mama or daddy or both can get through to heaven for me and get it fixed. There will come a time in every person's life when you need to know how to pray. When you need to know how to use your faith. When you need to experience the Spirit-filled prayer life. You need to be able to pray James 5, 16, the effectual fervent, the heartfelt, earnest, and continued prayer that makes tremendous power available. Thank you, Lord. Father God, tonight I pray that you'd open our eyes to see all those things that especially tonight you knew we would need to see. Lord, there are a number of individuals here tonight And so, obviously, there are different needs with different people. We're all at different places in our spiritual journey. But, Lord, you know what we need. Quicken these words that are most needed to us. Quicken them to us tonight, I pray. Help us to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. Not just the pastor, but the Holy Spirit. Make us aware, Lord, of any adjustments we need to make. We know that you don't bring correction to us because you're angry at us. Your wrath was laid upon Jesus. You're not mad at us. We know that you don't bring correction to us because you're cruel. You rebuke and chasten those that you love. Lord, you love us enough to bring us truth, and we thank you for it. We ask that this word be quickened to us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, the deal with being a pastor is you you have to preach messages like this and there's no great fanfare at the end. (laughs) You know, how could I give an altar call for you to do all this? You know, I can't lay hands on you and you do it all. I can't lay hands on myself and I'm going to get this all fixed out. We just make some decisions to do the word The word that we hear. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, I hope you've been blessed by coming tonight. I hope that you've heard something that's encouraged you and blessed you. Do I need to mention anything else? Have I forgotten anything? All right. Praise the Lord. So, Sunday morning is the